and welcome to the 50th episode of Popcorn Optional, the big Roman numeral L, a movie podcast where we talk all things movies. After 10 years, 18 movies, Marvel has released their long-awaited 19th film, Avengers Infinity War, the culmination of years and years of storytelling and character moments and plants and payoffs and we're here after 10 years later from Iron Man in 2008. We're going to review Avengers Infinity War. We don't really have a whole lot else other than that, but there is plenty to get to within that because it's a two and a half hour epic. I don't know if you can, like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, yeah. My, it's a mind melter. It's a mind melter. It's a mind bender. It's uh, a mind destroyer. It's a heart destroyer. Um, yeah. Not to get too much into spoilers. But uh, yeah, my name is Cameron Samia, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jake Brown. Hey man, good to be here, and uh, you know I think it's it's pretty cool that we've done 50 episodes of the Big L. Big L. As uh, the Avengers take their first Big L, maybe Ooh. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Unfortunately, Trevor, our third partner in crime, couldn't be with us tonight. He has caught the uh, bubonic plague. But uh, dude, he like something's going down in Waco. Everybody's sick. Yes, consistently. Yes. Trevor, you got to get healthy, man. The only piece of news or trailers that we have to get to. Is that the Venom trailer dropped last week with uh, Tom Hardy? And I feel like you and me, Jake, have very different opinions on this trailer. Really? Oh, I hate it. I think it looks really bad. Um, really? Yeah. I. Okay. What is Tom Hardy doing? He's doing like such a weird character accent thing. I. So what? I mean, because I loved this trailer. I was. I was very excited after seeing this trailer. It hit like a lot of the beats that I was hoping for. And it finally actually like showed venom. It didn't like shy away from that side of the character or it didn't because the whole time Marvel or Sony or whoever is the one that's actually making this has been saying things that make me feel like they're not actually going to have the actual symbiote of venom in this. Or like he plays a very small role at the end, which is would be stupid. Like, Nobody wants to go see a Venom movie where you don't actually see Venom. We want to see Venom. And this trailer shows that in full force and kind of gives us a peek into the madness. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some really cool stunts and effects that happen with this character. Whether or not... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. If, I, try, I didn't have time to look this up. Is this going to be rated R or is this a PG-13 movie? If it's Sony, I'm betting it's PG-13. And that's that's my biggest thing is like, this is not a Marvel thing. The CGI looks bad. Tom Hardy doesn't look good. It just, it feels really cheesy. It feels really predictable. Um, I don't know, man. It, it felt like one of those weird YouTube fan films, but just like uh... at a high level with Tom Hardy somehow in the lead. Um, nothing about it made me excited um, it, it was just weird to like come off the high of talking about our favorite Marvel films and like how good Spider-Man Homecoming was and then like Infinity War, Spider-Man's a big part of that, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and then have this Venom trailer come out like right during this time of the Marvel hype and you can just feel the tone difference between the studios and it just it just doesn't feel right in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, so, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I never, I never want movies to be bad because we're probably gonna have to see it, and so <laughs> I want it to be good. Uh, it just doesn't feel 
like the good foundation is there in my opinion do you think that comes from the studio or just there's something about the look of it and everything that doesn't feel right uh yes to both of those <laughs> it's it's one of those things to me that i like the concept of it and i'm curious if that translates then into execution you know the idea of having this anti-hero venom which he's kind of morphed into more of an anti-hero anyways in modern comics mm-hmm. but i it's it i'll be curious to see how it works because the trailers so far have all felt uh small and like they haven't showed us much and i get that a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that they have unfinished cgi and you know the suit of or the symbiotic suit is all cgi so i, I i'm 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 optimistic the, but you always uh, are cameron i always try well <laughs> i can get really down on things like i was really down on uh ready player one before it actually came that's out. true yeah um but i feel like that was because i loved the source material so much you know i I, I feel like I say this a lot. I always want to go into a movie loving it. Like I'll always try to find the best in it. And I I think there's like, I love Tom Hardy. I'll go see. He's borderline mensch for me. If anything, watching this makes me appreciate Marvel even more. Yeah. And I, I feel like we talk about this a lot. Yes, we are Marvel fanboys. Say whatever you want, whatever. But at the same time, I will go ahead. And Jake, you texted us last night about this. Wonder Woman, you love Wonder Woman. Like, it's not a thing against other studios. It's just that Marvel does it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I rewatched it uh, last night because it's on HBO for a little bit longer. And uh, it's amazing. It's it's one of the best films of last year. Gal Gadot is, like, just born to play that role. Um, Chris Pine, like, he nails one of the best performances in the his only career. Chris not in the Avengers Infinity War. For real. Um, and he's the best one. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think Wonder Woman is fantastic. We'll give DC credit when they deserve credit, and we'll give Fox credit when they deserve credit. Logan is amazing. X-Men First Class, amazing. Days of Future Past, pretty good. Uh, but Apocalypto or Apocalypse, terrible. Uh, yeah, not not so hot. Um, I haven't seen Deadpool, so I can't say. Fantastic Four, not so hot. You haven't seen oh Deadpool? Oh, my God. I haven't seen Deadpool. Dude, you got to get on Deadpool. Uh I know, but yeah. with the new one coming out, I'm... You gotta see it. I mean, they have, like, the best quality assurance department in the world. Better than Google, better than Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Marvel's got it down. And what's... So, the news came out today that Marvel has plans through 2025, which, just to do a little bit of simple math, that's seven years. Three yeah. films a year. That's They have 21 films planned out from here until then, and that's... That blows my mind that they're thinking that far in advance. And I think that they're the only ones that deserve, like outside of Lucasfilm, but they're the only ones that deserve to think that far in advance. Everybody else, it's like, just make a good film, make one good film and then go from there. But this is like, you've made 18, you've, you've made, you know, a handful of great films, a bunch of really good ones and some that were okay. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're entertaining and, they deserve to be able to do that. And when they say that, that's exciting and not eye rolly and being like, Hey, we'll just focus on what's ahead of you. It's no, they understand how to focus on what's ahead of them, but also plan out seven films and tell a story over years. The first time that, uh, 
Infinity Wars was kind of teased was back in Thor. You you know you have Loki walking through his dad's tomb and you see the Infinity Gauntlet in there. And so this is seven years that they've been teasing this specific thing. Alrighty, well that's all we have for news and trailers. Let's go ahead and get into our review now. It's all I don't I don't I can't think of even Star Wars. I can't think of something that's been building in a movie universe as much as this series has been building. Yeah, I mean, we joked about it last week in our big ranking of the of the Marvel movies. Like, when they say it's the biggest crossover or, like, combination of... Po- like, it's true. When yeah. it, it is, like, the longest smoking gun that I can mm. think of in cinema history. It, it is insane. And they've they've done it well. They've played it, you know, not without mockery, but they've they've played the long game. And it's... You know, to get into general thoughts, it's for the most part so far paid off well for them. And even on a you know financial level, this film made two hundred and fifty-eight million dollars domestically this weekend in three days. Uh, and that's you know the previous record holder before that was Star Wars: The Force Awakens at two forty-eight. And then, if you want to go international, Fate of the Furious had the biggest weekend of all time with five hundred forty-two million. And this film made you know eighty eight million more than that, and made six hundred thirty million opening worldwide, and that's not including China. Like China hasn't even seen this film yet, and won't see it for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you know, add a hundred million onto the box office there. And this film is has weeks, weeks. It has literally three weeks until Deadpool, its biggest competition, comes out. This is a film that's just going to run the box office and make possibly two billion dollars. Yeah, Trevor already won our summer draft. Well, no. Okay, so I was looking at this, and not to hate on Trevor while he's not here and can't defend himself, but (laughs) if we're being 100% honest with ourselves, Trevor, he also drafted Mission Impossible Fallout, which those films haven't done insanely good domestically. Ant-Man and Wasp could do decently, but the Purge movies have never made above like $80 domestically. Mm-hmm. And who knows what Christopher Robin's going to do, but I don't really see a depressing hook starring Winnie the Pooh grossing an insane amount. Yeah. So all that to be said, there is still a chance. But for now, Trevor looks like um, unless Deadpool 2 or Solo or Jurassic World or Incredibles just kind of takes off. I think we're chasing Trevor now for the rest of the summer. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. We should have made it to where, like, whoever drafted Infinity War only got four films instead of five. That that would have been a good handicap. Yeah, that's it's almost, you know, aiding Trevor just in simply having that fifth film, even if it's nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bring this up again, but just to kind of put things into perspective, Justice League made worldwide, it made $658 million. So to put that in perspective, in three days, this film has made $630 million. Holy cow. <laughs> so pretty close. Pretty close, I would say. And it's already grossed more than I think like six Marvel films. Um, like Thor, Captain America, Ant-Man, Thor the Dark World, Incredible Hulk. Like those lower films, it's already grossed more than those. Did you have trouble getting tickets for this? No, I bought tickets uh, the week of on like a Monday or Tuesday, but I bought them for like Friday during the day because I was off work on that Friday. And so I went at like an 1130 screening Friday during the day and I, I actually got like 
a really good seat, like middle row in the middle of the theater. Um, but the theater was sold out. I mean, th- like there were maybe a few seats in the first few rows, but it was a Jeez. packed theater. Yeah, I took a bunch of my uh, former high school students to go see it at Alamo up in Richardson. That's awesome. And it was, I made a bet with them their freshman year that if they all got A's on an assignment, I would take them to go see it when they were seniors. And <laughs> they're all seniors now, so I took them all to go That's see so it. That's so cool. Held up on my end of the bargain. But I, our theater was packed. But let's go ahead and just get into our general thoughts on this movie without being, okay, so let me say this. We are going to try and be as spoiler-free as possible for a couple minutes here during our general thoughts and a couple other things, but even to talk about this film is somewhat spoilery. Oh, literally the first scene is a spoiler. Right, and Marvel did a fantastic job in their marketing. I'm often critical of Marvel, and I feel like they give too much away in their trailers. They gave absolutely nothing away in yeah, their trailers agreed. and did a perfect job marketing this. So if you, if you don't want to know anything or even have like an idea of an expectation or anything, stop listening, go see this and come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. But yeah. Jake general thoughts in the past. Marvel films are somewhat predictable. You can kind of see what's going to come. And you know, we had our predictions at the end of, the last episode and in the past people have complained about the stakes of the Marvel cinematic universe, not feeling high enough. And man, this movie makes up for all of that. And then some this, this movie grabs you by the throat from the very first scene. and doesn't let go until it's throwing a planet's worth of emotion at your face. Like the movie is (laughs) bursting at the seams with characters, locations, tonal shifts and plot points. It's full speed the whole time. And it works, which is insane. Like, overall, I liked it. My biggest complaint is that it feels like half of a whole, which is to be expected when it's something this big. Um, but, I mean, I I can't wait for part two. They didn't hold anything back. Like, for real, I can't wait a whole year to find out what happens. I'm really mad that it's a year away. Um, but, yeah, general thoughts, this... This isn't Marvel's best movie, but it is by far the biggest, uh, the weightiest, the heaviest, the most intense, the most emotional, um, the most important by far. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. Um, I definitely have some problems with it, and I think that's mostly just because it's part one, and it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. But overall, yeah. I mean, they knocked it out of the park when they really had an impossible task, somehow the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige and everybody over there pulled it off, which is a miracle. Yeah, somehow they've they've taken all these characters and put them in one single movie and made something that's watchable. You wouldn't think that something that has you know, 30, 40 superheroes in it is going to be watchable at the end of the day, but ultimately it's it's very enjoyable and I think the biggest thing I walked out of this movie with was, did I like the movie as a movie or did I like it because of the 10 years leading up to it? And that's a question that I've kind of asked myself constantly since then is, you know, do I like what's on screen or do I just like that? I'm finally at a point where we're able to enjoy the work of 10 years, because that's ultimately what this is, is this is a no holds barred. I mean, this is 
from the, the very first second of this film, it goes and there's not any like pickup or opening shot. You know, there's not oh, the, they just drop you into chaos and they don't let up for two and a half hours. Right. Like there's no opening shot of cap running around saying on your left, like there, it's opens and then it's heavy action, heavy story. And it just goes blows my mind what they're able to fit in here. The greatest strength of this movie is just being able to see characters finally team up together that you haven't seen before. You know, being able to see the whole of Wakanda teaming up with the Avengers mm-hmm. and being able to see the Guardians interact with other characters. All of that is just fantastic. And that's that's where this film, in my opinion, really shines. You know, those moments of getting to see people that you'd never thought you'd see actually interact. It would be like you know, not to take from Pat Oswalt, but it's like getting to see Star Wars <laughs> mix with Marvel because it's just these characters like Doctor Strange, who it's like, okay, you've seen him interact with Thor, but you haven't seen him interact with Tony Stark or Spider-Man or how their wits all come together. And mm-hmm. you get to see that here. And I don't think that's a spoiler because it's in the trailer. It, it's just, it's amazing the team-ups that they get and how much they nail the team-ups in this film. I will agree with you that like, it definitely feels like half of a whole and I, it does feel like the season, two-part season finale of a TV show in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like if you haven't seen basically all of the Marvel movies or at least like the main film of all of these characters, this movie will not make sense to you because it do, it just drops you into it, which is awesome. Like right. I, I love that. I love that they've taken ten years to build the foundation that this that this film can sit on. That's incredible, and every studio should take notes if they want to do it. This is how you do it. But as much as I did enjoy the film, I did leave like thinking, man, we didn't get like the character development that we get mm-hmm. in Civil War or like any of the character films. But Civil War even was jam packed, but there was a lot of character development in that this was this is twice as big and the the stakes couldn't be higher and so there's not much room for it. I would make the argument, you know, so that's a good thing to bring up Jake is, you know, Civil War in that there's not a lot of character development outside of Captain America and his relationship with Bucky. True. Like you get a lot of cap. And I I think this film does that just not with the character any of us expect. I think this film does that with Thanos. Yeah. I think this is Thanos's movie. Yeah. This gives him the emotional arc. This gives us understanding on him. It ties us. It's, you know, everything else has been the Avengers, the Avengers, the Avengers. And this is almost like Thanos's movie and with the Avengers as like the side characters. Yeah, and first off, I mean, it's it's really good to see the main guy from Pawn Stars. He's finally getting some serious acting work as <laughs> as Thanos. Um no, but for real, Josh Brolin is fantastic as Thanos, and Thanos doesn't disappoint. I mean, he's been teased for six years. Like, they really kind of set themselves up for a letdown. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he is terrifying. He's unbeatable. Actually, like, somewhat relatable. Like, you are, yeah. you're somehow sympathetic to what he wants to achieve. I felt very much like Dwight Schrute for a bit. Like, we need a, <laughs> we need a new plague. Like, this is Thanos' film. I mean, absolutely. And mm. he steals it. He, he, It is fantastic. And what's awesome is they, they built the character up enough. So in part two, like, you understand both sides. And obviously, you're rooting for the Avengers unless, like, you're a Nazi or something. But, um, like, you understand the guy's motivations. You understand where he's coming from, what he's going to do, how he thinks. That's the biggest complaint that we have with the DC films is, like, with Steppenwolf, 
Nobody cares. Steppenwolf is lame. And like, who is this person? He's just obsessed with his mom and a bunch of boxes. Like, I I don't care about this. Whereas now, we just spent two and a half hours understanding the backstory of who Thanos is and what his mission is and why he wants to achieve it and like how strong he is. And part two is going to be like punchy in the face, intense and awesome. And this film shows the physicality of Thanos. Mm -hmm. It shows the smarts of Thanos. It shows all these different sides and actually sets him up in as a formidable villain by showing us instead of just telling us. Yeah. Like so many times in Marvel films, people tell us like how smart they are or how strong they are, but it's not shown. And this movie just like multiple times shows it. Like there's a, the very first scene, one of the very first action beats you get to see the physicality of Thanos and it's terrifying yeah. what he's able to do. Yeah. So I think we've we've talked about how accessible this movie is. I throw this out there. If you are going into this movie and you're wanting some sort of a refresher, one there are review there are like Marvel refreshers online that can give you catch you up to this point. But if you are wanting to go more in depth, I think that there are some films that are very important to watch before this. Um, those being uh, Doctor Strange, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, mm-hmm. and Thor Ragnarok. I think those four, and Black Panther. Um, I, but you can't watch Black Panther right now because it's out of theaters and doesn't come out on DVD till next week. I would add Guardians 1 because that's the best explanation of what the Infinity Stones are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, those are like the five or six main films that really establish mm-hmm. like the stakes and what's going to happen. And if you haven't seen those movies already, like what the heck are you doing? Get out of here. Go watch those. Then go watch Infinity War and then come back. We also have reviews out on Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which was our very first review if you want to go see us as babies. Oh, was it really? We have reviews. Uh, yeah, it was our very first review Wow, almost a year ago. Um, and then we also have reviews out on Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Black Panther. So you can go find all those on our website or on iTunes. Really quick, I'm going to run through a couple things, and I want you to tell me whether or not you think this film falls into any of these typical Marvel faults. Do you want just like a yes or a no? I just want a yes or a no. Okay. So, um, bad villain. Hell no. Lack of depth. Somewhat in the character development, but... No. Poor score? Yes. Unwillingness to kill big characters? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Predictability? Nope. Poor cinematography? Mm, kind of. Poor CGI? Kind of. Okay, so yes, this film has typical Marvel things, but, and the reason why I want to say this is, for those of you that have watched Marvel films and been, those things have taken away from your experience, none of those things that we listed that we said yes to and I agree with all of Jake's ones. Um, none of those take away from the quality of the film. Like the poor CGI at certain points or the cinematography never take away from the enjoyment of the film. It's never distracting or makes you go, oh my gosh, what am I watching? It's mm-hmm. still enjoyable. So please go see it. It's well worth your time. And, you know, small indie films like this just kind of need your money. <laughs> so it's worth it, It's one of those things where, you know, you're worried that if not enough people go see it, they're not going to make another that's very true. They might not make the fourth one. They might not. It's already in the <laughs> They've can. They've already shot it. But they might not okay, make it. Okay, let me throw this four. out there. If, if Kevin Feige or somebody up at Marvel, if you're listening to this, which you're probably not, 
But if this gets out there, let me just throw this idea out there. You moved the Avengers up, Avengers Infinity War up one week. Now, there's a very large time slot in the middle of August where nothing is going on. <laughs> and you could make the bookuist of bucks. And I think you should just release the film there. But when does Captain Marvel come out? March. When does Ant-Man no, come out? July. Captain Marvel comes out next March. March 3rd. And then Avengers come. Wow. Comes out May 3rd. <sighs> so much time and so many things. There are, th- there are 368 days between now and when uh, Avengers 4 comes out. <laughs> but my body's ready. <laughs> okay, we're going to get into spoilers. We've probably already spoiled part of parts of things. We've tried yeah. to be very careful, but we're going to really dig deep into this film. So go ahead. Stop listening. Go see it. If you've already seen it, keep listening. We're about to just spoil everything, though. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk the actual uh, Avengers. And like I said earlier, my favorite part of this film is the team ups that we get. You know, the Thor with Groot and Rocket, or um, Tony uh, Stark with Doctor Strange and Spider Man. All of those team ups are the greatest parts. Or when you see. Gosh, the funniest part of the entire movie is Chris Pratt's interaction with Chris Hemsworth when Star-Lord <laughs> and Thor meet. And Chris Pratt, as Star-Lord, is trying to make his voice super macho around Thor. And it's it's so fun. So, But wouldn't we was, all I mean, be that self-conscious around Chris Hemsworth? Are you kidding me? The dude's m- massive. I would be, you know, Drax's putting my comments arms out. Of just like, oh, you you are a man. <laughs> This, this is a, this is a God. (laughs) Like just how obsessed he was, was Drax was great in this film. Once again, I mean that scene where he's just standing there and he's the, uh, how long have you been there? One hour. I've mastered the skill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this film is funny. It is weirdly funny. The jokes. It's weirdly funny and incredibly depressing. Yeah. It's it's definitely the bleakest film that Marvel has put out so far, as far as like the overall tone and scope of where it goes. It, it's it's so bleak, you know. This I what where it leads to, um, which we'll get to. But before we get there, were there any team ups that didn't work for you that you saw and you were kind of like, eh, I could do without that. So the Earth team was fine. I think it wasn't as interesting because it's mostly interactions that we've seen before until they go to Wakanda. Um, I, I do think one of the best like shots in the movie, even though it's totally CGI, is uh, when Captain America and Black Panther run out in front of the army and they're running like step for step with mm. each other and jump across. Like that was such a cool shot. Um, but yeah, that wasn't real. Well, you know what, Cameron? I'm sorry to tell you. This is all make-believe. This is not a documentary. Oh, my gosh. I know. No. No, Chris Evans. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think the Earth the Earth team was not as interesting because it was mostly the lesser-powered Avengers and then yeah. Wakanda, which was cool. But, like, we've seen most of those interactions before. Right. And, we, I mean, I talked about this last week. Cap is one of my top three favorite characters in the whole MCU. And in this film, he's, you don't have that like cap heartfelt moment. I thought it was going to be the moment from the trailer where he's holding off, 
you know, Thanos's hand, like Thanos is kind of pushing on him and Cap is like holding him up. But that film was spoiled by it being in the trailer in the first place. And so it doesn't have that same weight as it does, but I just feel like you're not given that Cap heartfelt moment. And I almost feel like that's one, because they're saving it for Avengers four, mm-hmm. but two also, this is much more of, if you're looking at the main Avengers in this film, this is definitely like Thor, uh, Iron Man, the guardians, Dr. Strange's film. Like it's those characters film. Mm-hmm. And as, as much as this pains me to say, it's really not Wakanda, the Wakanda characters or um, Cap's team. It's not. It's not really their film. Like they're they they're there. They do a good job of when they're on screen, but it's it is definitely not their film in the grand scope of like what we see. I think that's. I think that's partly like establishing the level of intensity and ability that Thanos mm-hmm. has, though, because most of the earth team are the lower powered avengers minus scarlet witch and vision but um like the the most powerful people that you think of at least in my opinion are hulk iron man doctor strange uh spider-man um thor like those are the most powerful avengers and they're the ones that are going to really i think take on thanos and the earth people uh that team of Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, Black Panther, all those guys. I mean, they are definitely effective fighters, but not nearly at the level of being able to compete toe-to-toe with Thanos. But that's what makes their moments, like that moment with Cap and him holding off Thanos for that second. What makes that so interesting is what we talked about last week of, you know, he's not the Thor God of Thunder oh, absolutely. type guy holding off Thanos. He's... Joe Schmo, who's yes, incredibly strong. He's not but Joe he's, Schmo. He's in the in the pan. Okay, never mind. That's <laughs> I get what you're saying. He's not Hawkeye, which okay, Hawkeye not being in this film is very frustrating. Yeah, it's fine. I love Hawkeye. I think he's Jeremy Renner is great in that role. One of the strongest things in this movie is after you know ten years, you still have Robert Downey Jr. And Iron Man presenting us with surprises left and right. Like that new suit that he has, the Uh. nanotech suit that constantly is molding and moving. And that suit's incredible. What is that called? Like Bleeding Edge or something in the comics? Yeah, I think it's Bleeding Edge or Bleeding Edge, Bleeding Armor. So cool. Something like that. It's incredible. And the way it's able to like morph because of nanotechnology and yeah, Mm -hmm. awesome. That scene where he, you know, at the end he's fighting Thanos and he's out of pieces, so like quote unquote, and it's like taking pieces from his leg to create like the sword or the blast. Like that was the coolest part of like he's every inch of him, and that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Thanos, we talked about him a little bit. Do you do you find his motivations understandable and believable as a villain? Yeah, I mean, I. Obviously, it's an extreme, but like, right? I I will admit to having had thoughts of like, there's too many people, like too many people that don't <laughs> deserve to be alive, which is harsh. We I'm, need a new we plague. need a new plague. Like I've I've pulled the Dwight Schrute card on occasion, 
Um, that makes you sound really evil. Let me just say that Jake is a very <laughs> kind-hearted person. He's not a type of person that would be like, hey, we need a plague. Like, let's kill off a bunch of people. You know, every day we, we move further away from God's light. What's that meme? Is that the meme? Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they established, like, why he is this way of all of his people and his planet died because no one was willing to do what it took to save what they could. And mm-hmm. he's realized that he's the only one that is willing to do what it takes to save like the future. And right. th- then it asks the question is like, what is one life worth? Is one life worth the future of everybody else? And the Avengers are constantly right. playing that game of trading infinity stones for a single life, which I understand they, they do that to like, make you see that they're not the bad guys but it also makes you think like wait no don't don't give him the time stone like that don't do that to save iron man that's not worth it um and thanos is able to think in that that vein where a lot of our more primal instincts lie but we reject them because of our humanity and our compassion and our love for everybody around us and uh, our empathy. Thanos has no empathy. He's looking everything statistically. Um, and the analytical side of humans, we are able to relate to that. At least I was, which maybe maybe I'm a psychopath. Um, but like I totally related to him. And you also see the pain that he he right. knows what he's doing. He's making sacrifices that hurt. And like he doesn't want to be this way, but he knows he has to be. Which is the best. That's the interesting is like the two sides that you get of the Avengers are not willing to give up one person in order to, you know, possibly save everybody. It's that idea of like we like it is either all of us or none of us. Like we're not going to just give up vision in order to sacrifice something. And then which on the other vision side vision sucks. Can we just can we just <laughs> say that he sucks. He and Scarlet Witch's relationship are the worst like do not care. I don't dislike him. Don't care. Don't care. Not great. I don't like him. I love Scarlet Witch. I think Elizabeth Olsen does a great job as that character, but I like Vision as a like character, but I mean he's never really brought anything incredible to the screen. The best moment that he has is in Avengers Age of Ultron when he picks up Thor's hammer and is like, Are we ready to go? And everybody's kind of Yeah, that was Alright, I'm with him. But like their relationship is like college students that watched the notebook like it's just but that's almost like because he's a very like adolescent being when it comes to social interactions yeah i guess and she's having to like walk him by his hand through like what does this mean like what is love baby don't hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) are you really gonna sing another song cameron did you not learn your lesson i hate it no Oh, uh, for those that are wondering, right. go to our uh, movie draft. About twenty-seven minutes, thirty seconds, and there's a little treat for you there. What, what is love? love? Baby, don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. What is love? It may be me singing "Mama Mia," it, but the duality <laughs> is like the Avengers are willing to give up. You know, they're not willing to give up anybody. And then on the other hand, Thanos is willing to give up the one person, the maybe the only person 
that matters to him and his daughter Gamora. And he's willing to sacrifice her in order to achieve his dream and his goal. And that's, that's where the, like, that was the point in the film where I was fully on board. Like whatever happened from there, I was, I was in and not to say I wasn't in before, but that was a turning point for me where I fully was invested in the reality of what was happening. Cause that was, that was this point where you actually, you understand like what he's doing and you're like, you are a terrible being that would do this, but you see the pain in his choice. Yeah. Like they, they very much take their time on that sequence where he sacrifices Gamora for one of the stones. And you feel that like they could have easily played that very quickly. And, but they slow motion, they drag it out. They even have like, this very cool cameo by the Red Skull, mm. who's not even played by Hugo cool? Weaving, but what? We can talk about that later. It was. It's, um. It was no, no. We can talk about it now. Well, I, I mean, we got, I agree with you on the Thanos. Like that, that was like Joker explaining his methodology to Batman and Harvey mm-hmm. Dent level. Like that was like, yes. holy crap! I totally understand this character. Like that. This character right. makes sense and I relate to him and then it makes you think about yourself and yeah I mean that that was a moment of great character development and that was also the moment where I was like this is Thanos's movie yeah. um he he is the main character he is the antagonist and simultaneously the protagonist of this film um which is so incredibly gutsy on Marvel's part too they could have fully just kept him in the shadows and kept him in the background of things and brought him in for battles, but they give him so much character development, especially like at the end, the final shot is him like the hero shot going into the sunset. And when that happened, I was like, Holy crap, Marvel, you did it. You did it. You did it. Um, you let the villain win. Yeah. I, I mean, that was awesome. But yeah, red skull for me, I was like, wait, what the F? Red Skull, what is happening? <laughs> uh, I didn't hate it. I was just like, "Whoa, throwback!" It took you out of yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Were there ever places in the film where the pacing felt too much? Because I mean, I don't think you could ever say the pacing let down. The pacing <laughs> was just so constant that uh, there were times where I found myself like, I, and I say this to my wife all the time, like, "I'm just, I'm a processor. I need just like a minute to process what what just mm-hmm. happened." And there are multiple times in this movie where I found myself going like, just give, give me like a shot. Mm-hmm. Give me a shot to just process what was just on screen. Yeah. There definitely was very little breathing room in this film. There's no time. And like, I, I do think this movie would be better if it was like three hours, you know, <laughs> the rare, this movie would be better if it was seriously long. like it, it is so rare that I would say that, but I do think it would have been better if it had been 15 minutes longer of just a little bit of breathing room, a little bit more character development. I think one of my favorite right. scenes of the whole film is when Thor and Rocket are in their little ship and talking about just everything that Thor's been through. Like that's the first moment he's right. gotten to breathe since the events of Ragnarok. And you, you see him mm. realizing the weight of 
everything that just happened. Like his people are dead. His world is dead. His friends are dead. His brother's dead. He killed his sister. His dad, like he's having all these realizations. And that's really the only emotional beat in the film that doesn't involve Thanos. Um, Right. So, I mean, the pacing is a problem in, in a, in a way that it's too fast and too much, but I think I would rather have it that way than be too drawn out. I'm curious if having no breathing room makes that two and a half hours pass by. Cause I feel like maybe, and I could be wrong on this, but maybe if they had those calmer moments, you would feel the Probably. length of the film. Like this film does not feel two and a half hours whatsoever. No, this movie flies by. So I think that's a smart choice on their part, but it's definitely, it's a lot. And maybe it's a brilliant move on their part because then it makes you have to go see the movie. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think Uh, they basically wrote and shot this as a whole thing, like two parts together. And I think they mm -hmm. just kind of cut in between like the second and third act, basically. Like this was the turn, like the fall of the hero. And then he has to, rise above to the action and story and character development climax. Like they basically just cut at the fall. Um, and so I think if you watch it as a whole piece, it might be more typical in terms of character development and stuff. But like when you zoom in as we're, this is basically a two act film. And when you zoom in, mm-hmm. like you don't get the full structure. Yeah. And then Avengers four is presumably all third act i i guess i mean we'll see so there's there's a lot to talk about in the story and we're going to kind of move through this and by hitting beats because i want i want to make sure we hit everything but and i don't want to skip anything but there's just so much to talk about that i don't want us to get too far out of places and so one of my biggest frustrations with this movie is that so we get to this climactic battle and it's you know, Doctor Strange, some of the Guardians, Spider-Man, Iron Man, all up against uh, Thanos. And Chris Pratt does the most illogical thing I've seen a Marvel character ever do in a movie. He's emotional because, you know, leading back to that, what we've said is Gamora has died. And this film really builds that Gamora-Star-Lord relationship. You know, they finally have their romantic moment of the will they, won't they. And then he's, you know, going off and he goes off on Thanos and, you know, punches him right as they're about to get the gauntlet off of his hand. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, hold on. That's the stupidest thing I've seen. Even on like a, I don't think that somebody would be that emotional that they would lose sight of that. Yeah. So, I mean, even backing up from that, there's a huge plot hole in if Gamora knows where the soul stone is, then like, why aren't they running away from Thanos? Right. Why are they going closer to him? Like, why does she go to Thanos in the first place? Right. So there's definitely like some plot holes. I totally agree. If like the star Lord thing is infuriating, um, like they star Lord does not do well in this movie. (laughs) I am intrigued to see where they go or if that was like weirdly part of the plan somehow because of some things that are hinted later and um throughout the film but i mean i think really we need to 
go all the way back to the first scene of Asgard is gone, Loki dies, and Hulk loses. Right. Like that that is the ultimate setting of the stakes mm-hmm. move like move that that perfectly encapsulates what is about to happen yeah because first off loki needed to die he's been around too long he's been a crutch for the marvel universe he needed to die um after coming off the huge high of ragnarok we are immediately smashed down cuz everybody's dead and then we see the Hulk for the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe get his green butt handed to him right. by Thanos. And you almost, which is the old like the ultimate, just like whoa, Thanos is not messing around. And he almost looks like he's winning for a second, and then Thanos, you realize, is just absorbing the blows, and then just all of yeah. a sudden destroys the Hulk. Yeah, I mean, and then that affects the Hulk for the whole rest of the film, right? Like that. Then the rest of the film, you know. Bruce can't turn back into the Hulk. Presumably what seems like they're alluding to is because Hulk can't Hulk is afraid because he got beaten for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who, uh, who is like the MVP for you? The MVP like, of this- after seeing this, who like stole the show or who do you think is like the best character besides Thanos? The person that stole the show for me was Iron Man. For a couple of different okay. reasons. One, the suit's incredible. Two, so cool. He's he's given so much to do. And I almost feel like his moment at the end where he makes he makes Thanos bleed is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like this little cut that he gives, and it's just kind of if you were to just see that, you'd be like, What the heck? But in the context of the movie, him just simply cutting him goes to show like the strategy of Iron Man, the smarts of him, the physicality of like, you wouldn't think that he's physical, but in that suit, he's incredibly physical and he's willing to, you know, sacrifice himself at all costs. So Iron Man was the, was the MVP for me by far. Who was the MVP? It was very much like a 300 scene of like, yes, by the end of the day, they will believe a God can bleed. Oh yeah. Um, For me, it was Thor. I mean, I think, like Ragnarok was them figuring out what to do with Thor and finally like letting Thor realize the power that is promised in the comics of Thor. I mean, he's, he's a God. He's the God of thunder. And the first two films, he was the God of hammers. Right. And this film almost goes back to him needing some sort of weapon. Uh, I think it, I think it's more of showing how powerful that weapon is. And like, he's the only person in the world that could wield it or in the galaxy that could wield it. Well, and, what's cool um, is Groot. Like the channeling of the power through the weapon. Yeah. But it's kind of, it alludes to the fact that Groot is almost worthy enough to hold that as well, <laughs> which is a cool little, yeah. um, Piece of the I film. think there is something like that in the comics. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. I I might be making that up, but I do remember seeing something like that. Yeah, so th- there's there's some things I expected to happen in this film that I didn't. You know, one of them being for us to get some sort of Captain America Iron Man reunion. We don't get that, and that's fine. But there's just like, I think that with films like this, where there's so much speculation, you have to you have to understand that every audience is going to have their own expectation 
of what happens. And mm-hmm. I kept having to tell myself like what I expected in the last Jedi wasn't what I got. And I still loved it. And I think that happens here. It's like, I didn't get a lot of the moments I thought I would, I was going to get. I got one big moment that I never thought I would see on screen. That was the greatest thing in the film. We'll talk about that in a bit, but there's a lot of like little things okay. that I, that we didn't get that were, you know, it's, it's okay that they're not in there. But was there anything in here that like you didn't get that you were wanted that you wanted more of? I think for me the biggest thing is just character development, but I totally understand that there's like 30 characters mm-hmm. in this film that all had their own film and this is not a character development type film. I wish I wish we got to see a little bit more of Wakanda. Like I think that would have been cool after seeing Black Panther. I think people were hungry for more of Black Panther and we got very little of that. I really don't know what I could have asked for more of. I mean, this film blew away every expectation I have. I I thought I knew what was going to happen, and I literally couldn't have been further from what did happen. And so, I mean, I'm I was very pleasantly surprised. Literally within the first scene of this movie, when they kill Loki and Hulk loses, and like I was just like, "Whoa, we are not messing around." Yeah, they set it up very early on, and that. Okay, we'll get to this in a sec. So, Doctor Strange very much alludes to him having an endgame. Or him, he says it at one point, he's like, we're in the endgame now. And he gives up that time stone. So, do you think that he, we are on the path of the one in 14 million possible routes? We're on the one path that leads to that, and that's why he gave it up? Yeah, I mean, to give context dr strange uses the time stone to look at like 14.5 million variations of possibilities they win in one of them for star lord messing up them trying to get the gauntlet back implies that they lost that situation but the dr strange saying that they're in the end game implies that well maybe this was part of the strategy all along right so i I honestly am at the point where I'm not going to try and predict things Mm -hmm. just because I was so off with this movie. Right. Obviously, the end of this film is neutered by (laughs) what we know. Yeah. Like, that's, I think that's the bummer. At the end, super heavy. People were weeping in my theater. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Bucky Barnes, Drax, Groot, Mantis, uh, Scarlet Witch, Peter Parker, Star-Lord. Black Panther. Um, Black Panther. Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange dies? Yeah. I missed that one. He's one um, of these. So as, you know, who else? as we get to the end, Thanos finally gets all of the Infinity Stones. And what's been leading up to the entire film is the fact that if he, he's been wanting to get the Infinity Stones so he can snap his finger and wipe out half of the galaxy. And he does that, and all of a sudden... And this is a moment that, like, this happens in the comic books. And this was always the moment that everybody said is the unfilmable moment. Like, you can't end a film. It's not cinematic to have somebody snap their finger and kill off half the universe. But they do mm-hmm. it, and it's cinematic as heck. <laughs> and Spider-Man yeah. made me cry in this Oh, scene. my gosh. Dude, people, kids were weeping yes. in my theater. Like, it was so heavy. Um but I mean, Marvel neutered or neuters the end of the film by announcing sequels for most of these characters that die. Like right. we know, we're getting more Black Panther, more Guardians, more Spider-Man, and so Those are, like the deaths yeah. lack the full weight they could, 
And it makes this abrupt ending feel unresolved because in the back of our mind, we know that like, but there's more. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this weird, pointless cliffhanger. But I, I loved that they did it. Like, I love that we actually get the weight of characters dying. Like this was, this was so heavy. And yeah, that Peter Parker scene, holy crap. I mean, Tom Holland, Tom Holland brings it. And Robert Downey Jr. also in that scene, uh, really does a great job, but which is set up by the fact that they had a whole movie together. Yeah, but like we we have less than half of the Avengers surviving. Well, um, okay, so, which is crazy. So here's my thought on that: is we have the the original Avengers still on Earth plus Rocket, I think, or still alive, yes. quote unquote alive. Yes. Then we have the quote unquote new Avengers that have died, but I almost think. So here's here's what's interesting. Thanos snaps his fingers and he goes into this like astral plane type place. It almost feels as if, you, and then you come out of that and his arm is just all jacked up. And I almost feel like he killed off part of himself. Like as a celestial, he's more than kind of one being. And by killing mm-hmm. half of the universe, I think he killed part of himself in that moment. Like a horcrux. The horcrux to get Harry Potter with it. <laughs> But uh, and I almost feel like now there's two planes or dimensions set up. There's the new Avengers and they've died and are on this astral plane, and then there's the old Avengers and they're still on like the physical, you know, reality plane. And Thanos is kind of in both of those now, and he's split. Hmm. And now it's going to be speculative, but I don't think because we know that they're not dead because they've announced Spider-Man films and Black Panther films, like Jake said. It's almost going to be like this like fighting Thanos on two levels type thing. Which I'm down. Right. Like that sounds really cool um, and totally makes a lot of the things that happen in this film make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Strange giving up the time stone after giving this huge speech about how no matter what he will never give it up. Right. Um, and then just like on a whim like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is in trouble. Here's the time stone. Mm-hmm. Um and but, when he had previously said, like, no one life is worth giving up the time stone. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I, I do think um, Doctor Strange did a really good job of setting up the, like, multiple dimensions, multiple mm-hmm. universes, the astral plane, all of that stuff. And this film definitely addresses those things. And then apparently Ant-Man is going to have a lot to do with, like, quantum physics yeah, stuff like quantum realm and all that kind um, of stuff yeah which i don't even know what that is but i heard that that's happening so um, it's kind of what he gets into as he's shrinking at the end of ant-man okay yeah i mean maybe maybe we're gonna go on some crazy physics spiritual multi-dimensional space between adam's avengers battle yeah. against thanos yeah uh so who who's actually dead like who will not make an appearance in the MCU again? I think Loki's dead. Yeah. Like dead dead. That was pretty gruesome. Heimdall's dead. I think that Thanos's children are dead. Mhm. Most of them. Um and then I think I think Gamora might be dead. You think like for sure? I think so. I'm not sure. Like I don't know, but since she died before Thanos got the time stone, it makes me think that that might have some weird thing some weird issue or maybe like since thanos got the infinity gauntlet complete and did the 
snapping of the fingers and entered the astral plane like we're in two timelines now so maybe you can't like rejoin the timelines before then perhaps I'm, who knows i'm curious if in her sacrificing herself for the soul stone if part of her is then in the soul stone the other person that's i think is gone gone is vision i think vision oh yeah is i mean that gone gone that was that was a corpse yeah <laughs> and that was one of those like heartbreaking scenes on so many like First of all, making Scarlet Witch kill him, in effect. And then that happens. And then he, you just see Thanos casually walk up, reverse time, bring him back, and then kill him again in front of her. Yeah. That was that like, was, oh. that was like rubbing salt in a wound. Yeah. That was painful. That was heartbreaking. Um, but <laughs> what's interesting is just where where this film leaves us. Because I don't think... We've ever seen a big budget film like this leave us in a really dark place. Like half of the lives in the universe are gone. Half of our Avengers are gone, like dead, just like that. And Thanos is smiling at a sunset. Like that's bleak and dark. And, you know, there's never been like a superhero film like this where the villain outright wins. He won. He accomplished his goal and they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, this... I said this in our rankings, but this is very much Deathly Hollows Part One of the MCU. I mean, ending with spoiler for Deathly Hollows, uh, Voldemort getting the Elder Wand, and then like abrupt end. That's basically what this was, but like on a universal genocidal level. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more intense. I wish that the intensity of killing off half of the universe's life was a bigger oomph at the end of the film you know like we lose half the avengers but then like that scene in the end credits nick fury um and i forget her name maria 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 hill um it happens and like a few people disappear and like a helicopter falls and that's Mm -hmm. basically it but like if half of the people in the world died like half the people in the universe died like i wish that i wish that We've we've gone through the space realm of Marvel. We've seen all these other planets. Like I, I wanted to see cutting to all of those places and like the devastation right. that happened. Which you know maybe that's maybe that's the next film. Um, but I think that would have been like a really good like whoa this just happened everywhere. Right. But I think that's hard because like the other planet that we've been introduced to is Nova Prime. And they had said that like Thanos already ransacked Nova Prime in order to get the Power Stone. True. Nowhere. But even with like Guardians Two, we've established all the different planets right. and races and stuff in the universe. Right. And so you could, yeah, you're right. That's definitely true. So that post credit scene. What did you What did you think of waiting all the way through the credits for that scene? I mean, it was fine. It was like, oh, Nick Fury, cool. Um. And then I thought he was summoning the Canadian Avengers. <laughs> I and love that Cam- text. Cameron uh, gently reminded me, uh, no, that's Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know much about Captain Marvel, except that Brie Larson, which she's incredible, is playing Captain Marvel. So like good sign, overall right. good start. But I know very little about the character. So I, I was like, she's Who one of the more this? powerful cool people in the entire universe and kevin feige said like she is way beyond anything we've ever seen which right awesome but um i think she'll play a very big role in avengers 4 without saying too much i think that she almost takes the place of somebody in the comics 
from what the way that they're leading her up to be. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I, I think she's about to play a very significant role, Can't which wait. is interesting that, you know, I read an interview this week with Kevin Feige where he said, somebody asked him like, were you, did you add more black Panther stuff in after you saw the success of black Panther? And you know, they were like, were, were you shocked at the success? He's like, we almost would have been more shocked if it wasn't that big of a deal. Like we would have had to have changed things in this film if it wasn't like they were banking on that film being a big deal. And I think they're banking on captain Marvel being it's their first female. Uh, well, not technically, I guess you could say that wasp is their first female lead in eh, a movie, but this is like the first co-star. solo. Right. And so I think they're banking on that once again, probably being a big deal leading into Avengers four. So Avengers four, we, we get to the end of this. We have 368 days left <laughs> and we, we now have to wait this long and we've talked about where we think the film goes. Do you have any thoughts on what you think like title wise that film could be? Cause they've made a big deal out of the title and funny enough, they came out this week and said like, that was a disaster. They shouldn't have made such a big deal out of the title. It's going <laughs> to let people down, but I'm kind of curious. Like, do you have, do you have any ideas? I have no clue. I mean, I, yeah, I have no idea. There's some cheesy ones going out there, like Avengers Disassembled, Revenge of the Avengers or something. There's all these like weird ones. And then there's, you know, the obvious of Infinity Gauntlet, which is how the comics put it. There's Infinity War and then there's Infinity Gauntlet. That feels too on the nose. I think there's a lot of good ones out there. The My favorite one that I saw was just Avengers Assembled. I thought that was kind of just clean and simple. So let me ask you this, because Jake, you opened my eyes to the cinematography problem within Marvel <laughs> films. You recommended last week a, a piece. What was it? What's it called? The video? Uh, I think it was why Marvel movies are so ugly or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. But pretty much, you know, talks goes into the cinematography of why none of these films look good on a cinematography visuals level. So Jake, as somebody that works very closely with cameras and cinematography, where where do you think this film sits as far as cinematography goes? Is it an improvement? It's fine. I mean, I think it's <laughs> it's really hard to have good cinematography when like 95% of what's happening on screen is CGI. Like right. at that point, you're basically just trying to keep a consistent light source and light your characters and then hope the VFX artists do a good job. I, I do think that visually this film does some absolutely incredible stuff with Thanos' abilities, um, stuff with, like you said, Iron Man, Spider-Man. We see some awesome stuff from Doctor Strange in this movie like that mm-hmm. I was blown away by. Uh, it's just really cool to see that character uh, grow because at the end of Doctor Strange, he was fine, but I was kind of thinking, like, how is he going to stack up to Thanos and Iron Man and all that stuff? and uh, he does just fine. I so I even I said in our review episode that everything about Doctor Strange was fine. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is fine. The story's fine. His powers are fine. This film to me made me like Strange tenfold. Yeah. As a character, as Benedict Cumberbatch playing him, I was more invested in that character than I ever have been through any cheesy romantic relationship with Rachel McAdams. <laughs> the stuff on Earth looks a lot better than the stuff in space. 
That, and that's just mm-hmm. because of how much CGI is happening in space. We haven't even addressed giant Peter Dinklage, <laughs> which was weird. It was jarring. Yeah. It was definitely jarring. Very strange. Um, that yeah. whole sequence was cool, but weird. There's a lot of that in this film of just like, huh, whoa, that was weird. That was also cool. And we're on to the next thing. But yeah, I mean, the visuals overall, I'll give the visuals a B plus. Like cinematography, okay. CGI, mostly pretty good. There were a lot of times where Iron Man and Spider-Man and Thanos felt very much like cartoon characters. Like Iron Man, especially in his new suit, looked a little Oh off. my gosh, yeah. But I mean, with everything that's happening on screen. Yeah. And just like the lack of depth and texture on his suit, it just felt so... Mm two-dimensional the big battles looked incredible oh yeah the staging in this movie is very well done like the way that they you understand like where everybody is in a fight and it's very well done to help you understand the the flow of the battle like you never get lost in a battle yeah okay so let's get to our final our rankings our ratings and our final thoughts and while you're in there give us a since we did our rankings last week where does this fall on your list Okay, so for me, I can't really fully rank it until I see part two because it does feel so much like a part one. It fully achieves what it sets out to achieve, which I think is the best thing I can say about it. There are definitely issues, especially with with pacing. There's a few plot holes here and there, um, but there is a part two that might resolve those plot holes. So my complaints... I don't know if they're valid. So as a film, as a whole, with knowing there is a follow-up to resolve something, I'm going to give it an A- minus because I think in the words of Thanos, this film is perfectly balanced. They achieve Mm -hmm. the unachievable um, and do it in a way that was entertaining, that was uh, disturbing, that was like an emotional roller coaster you know, really sets it up for them to have potentially one of the best payoffs or like end of a series ever. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's an A minus for me. If you're, if you're a Marvel fan, like you have to see this, you have to, Th- right. this, this is, I'm trying to think of something to compare this to and you, you really can't, but like, this is, I don't think there's ever been anything like this. This is like return of the Jedi, man. This is like what culture has been building up to for the past decade. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I mean, there's not really any character development on the Avengers side of things, but we get that with Thanos, and his stuff's really interesting. This film just moves at like a breakneck speed, and it's it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of good. There's some bad. This movie's really funny, and the best parts are the little character moments, like you know when Cap sees Thor for the first time in a while, and he's like, "Oh, I see you got my beard." Um, <laughs> Or when, you know, the Guardians run into Iron Man and Doctor Strange and the whole what master do you serve thing. He's like, what do you mean, Jesus? <laughs> and Spider-Man I mean, being like, have you seen that really old movie, Alien? Or the Quill, tell him about that one time where you, with a dance-off, and he's like, oh, like Footloose? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Footloose is still the greatest movie? No, no, it's not. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a lot of just really fun interactions. The action's really good. This film does a lot of things good um, and doesn't do anything horrible. The ending is what makes it amazing for me. It's, you know, as somebody who read Infinity War 
back when I was in college and finally gets to see that finger snap on screen, that's a moment that just like I never thought I'd be able to see on screen. So this film does a lot and there's no reason why this film with this many characters and this much going on should work. But somehow it does. And the only thing I can point to is the fact that they've been building up to this for 10 years and have really taken their time getting to this with their characters. So overall, because this is like half, I think I respect this film I think it's like Iron Man 3 and that like I respect it as much as I like it and I respect it a lot and what it does and it's kind of like a B plus A minus for me and then that range of it's kind of middle of the pack like it's above Iron Man 3 maybe below Guardians of the Galaxy um, it's a good film and it is well worth seeking out and going to see mm-hmm. that is all we have for our review let's go ahead and get to our content of the week Jake what is your content of the week Yeah, so for me, it's a a podcast that I've recently been listening to called The Soundtrack Show, and I have have recommended a show called Soundtracking. These are two totally different things. Soundtracking is uh, discussions with directors about the soundtracks that they've used in, like, their filmography, whereas The Soundtrack Show is a uh, expert composer slash host doing these, like, in-depth audio essays about films and it is fascinating i've been listening to the two-part series on jaws and i mean obviously the jaws theme is iconic but there is so much more to the music of that film that this has uh, revealed to me and it is just john williams is the best you know that's all we got to say uh and then also if you want more comic book movie goodness uh as we wait for uh, Infinity War 2 slash uh, Ant-Man slash Captain Marvel, but in reality, Infinity War 2. Um, rewatch Wonder Woman. I rewatched it last night, and it's it's amazing. It's a wonderful film. Fantastic. A lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. And then I, I have a question for a recommend for you, Cameron. So, okay. I'm a person that likes comic books, but I've always been more of a, uh, a Batman graphic novel kind of guy. Um, what Marvel graphic novels would you recommend? I mean, I think there's the obvious in the Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet storylines that are both pretty great. If the hard thing with graphic novels is there's just you like no matter where you go, you kind of just have to jump in. Uh, there's not really like a good place to start unless you go back to the very beginning and start from there. Um, one of my recommends this week was going to be one of my favorite series of comics or of Marvel runs. I talked about it a little bit last week, but it's the Planet Hulk, World War Hulk storyline, which is one of my uh, all-time favorite comic stories. It's, you know, Hulk gets sent off. You, you see a lot of it in Thor Ragnarok. Hulk gets sent off to this sent off to this planet, and he goes there, and he's a gladiator, and he fights for his life. So, um, without trying to spoil too much, something happens... And he was, and the difference in the comic is that he was sent there by the Avengers because he was too much, he's too wild. And something happens back on his home planet that sends him back to Earth. And then it's Hulk and all of his guys versus the Avengers. And hmm. It's a great storyline. It's, uh, it's really fun. Um, I know that there's a bunch of comics you can get online for pretty cheap. The recent run of Black Panther has been really good. So I would highly recommend checking those out. And the recent stuff with Spider-Man, the Miles Morales stuff, which will be getting adapted into a movie later this year. Yeah. Is uh, is another place to check out. But 
Uh, my other recommend of the week is a podcast that I've listened to the first two episodes of, and it's on Stitcher Premium, which you can do like a free month trial for, and it's called Wolverine the Long Night. Oh, it's yeah. a crime podcast starring Richard Armitage, who's uh, Thorin, the king from The Hobbit, and he's in a couple of other things, um, but him playing Wolverine, it's these people you know, out in the wilderness, and there's a murder that happens, and they're trying to figure out who did it, and Wolverine's involved, and it's it's pretty good. I've listened to the first couple episodes, and it's a fun time, and it's in that same Marvel uh, realm. So, Sweet. worth checking out. Um, but that's all we have for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with something new. We don't know what because nothing really comes out until May 18th when Deadpool 2 comes out. So we've got a couple weeks. We've got about three weeks to do some fun summer stuff before we get to our next full-on review of a 2018 film. If you've enjoyed listening to us, then go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, and share us with your friends and family, especially with a movie like this where people are walking out of it and want to talk to it. You know, we want to, we want this podcast to be a conversation. So go see the movie and just, it would mean a lot to us if you recommend us to your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as a little bit about who each of us are. If you want to interact with us and keep the conversation going, you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Optional or like us on Facebook at Popcorn Optional as well. My name is Cameron Slanina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my Instagram handle as well as my website. You can find Trevor online at Turbo Trevor. So until next time, we hope you guys have a great week. Watch as many movies as possible. And in the words of the great Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Bye. Bye.